What you are about to hear is 100 Proof History, a weekly podcast that's half serious history, half drunken buffoonery. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and consider supporting the show by subscribing to our Patreon. For just $3 a month, you get bonus episodes, access to our old episodes, and each week, you get our show two days early. Check out 100proofhistory.com for details and find us on social media at 100proofhistory. Enjoy the show. In October of 1881, two groups of men met in the streets of Tombstone, Arizona. Tensions between them had been growing for a long time, and they finally resulted in an epic gunfight that would become world famous. And of course, because of books, TV shows, and movies, no one remembers the way it actually all went down. Once again, HPH is here to separate fact from fiction and show you that the truth is often just as ridiculous and nonsensical as the myth. Because that is what heroes do. Grab a drink and saddle up for a tale of the Wild West in this episode of Hunter Proof History titled Shootout at the OK Corral. Kurt Russell lied to me. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Ah, hello, listener. And hello, co-host Chris. Hello. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Just uh, having a babysit, unfortunately. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Who's that? Well, it's, you know, Wolf Dick. Oh, yeah. Like, I left for a while, and he conned our intro guy, Dan, into getting into my liquor cabinet. So, now I'm having to take care of him, unfortunately. Oh, a drunk Wolf Dick? Oof. We all know a life of the party. Somebody who lights up a room simply by walking in and putting a lampshade on the head. Wolf Dick, number one, you can't even walk. Right. And number two, what Jonathan Frakes meant by head is the thing that sits atop your neck. Not <laughs> that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's true. Yeah. For any new listeners not in the know... Wolf Dick is this show's esteemed producer. Uh, there is, of course, no relation to television producer Dick Wolf. Um, he's an invalid with very limited physical functionality. A few episodes ago, he almost died, so he definitely shouldn't be drinking so soon after his resuscitation. But he had a text-to-speech computer that he would use to talk. But, you know, he was getting a little too sassy for my taste, so I disabled it. Instead... I reprogrammed a speak-and-spell with phrases from the hit 90s show Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. It's uh, specifically from the host of the show, Jonathan Fricks. Have you noticed how many successful restaurants are theme-based <laughs> these days? I have noticed that. Yeah. He's yeah. looking up food delivery options on his tablet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually remember that one. He's looking at the uh, Mexican restaurant where you raise the flag, you know, if you oh, want yeah, yeah, table yeah. service. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever have a job as a waiter? Uh, <laughs> I never did, but a bunch of my friends did in high school. Why do you ask, Wolf Dick? What's the right tip? <laughs> uh, if I was dining in, it'd probably be at least 20%, but oh, you're looking generous. for delivery. So I'm sure four or five bucks would suffice. Have you called a plumber to your home lately? 
Why? Let me see that. Oh, God, no. He's trying to order the burrito bonanza. <laughs> Maybe try something else, like some Chinese food or something. Have you ever visited a Chinatown section in a major city? What? No! no Just like... order something. Jesus fucking Christ. Do you have a sweet tooth? <sighs> no dessert for me. Thanks, Wolf Dick. Just order whatever. We'll deal with the consequences later. Anyway, so as you can see, I have my hands full. Man, that's got to be stressful because somehow, even though he's drunk, his text-to-speech is also drunk. I don't... It makes sense. You know what? I don't get it either, Chris, but once you start (laughs) uh, looking beneath the surface of the show, it just, it all falls apart. It just crumbles. So let's not do that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a a load-bearing bit. Please, please don't look behind it. (laughs) Load-bearing bit. Yes. (laughs) Well, Greg, we do have something we need to let the listeners know. We are going on sort of a mini break after this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one's releasing on December 17th. After that, we won't be back with a full episode until January 14th. In the interim, you're going to get some bonus content, uh, some hangovers, mini episodes we've already released to our Patreon subscribers. They're still going to get new hangover mini episodes throughout this break, but uh, we're, you know, we got all of our things to do. I actually have been drafted to fight in the war on Christmas. I'm not going to let you guys know which side I'm on. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, so we we won't be back with a full-length episode until the 14th, but uh, you know what, I'm still hungover from last week's episode, so maybe these guys could enjoy the break as much as I'm going to enjoy it. Oh, that was a rough one. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to take a little break, and uh, hopefully we'll come back just as strong, maybe a little stronger in 2021. I'm finally going to use that gym membership. New Year's Day, I'm starting, baby. New Year's resolution, I'm going to keep it this year. Well, today, Greg, we are talking about the shootout at the OK Corral, uh, Wyatt Earp, Tombstone. I think a lot of people think they know the story, have at least heard about it. Our uh, main source is The Last Gunfight by Jeff Gwynn. I think that's how he said his name's pronounced. Gwynn. Gwynn? Okay. I couldn't remember. He was also the author of our Jonestown book that we used as our main source for those two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, very good author. Very good book. I enjoyed it. Immensely, I read it very quickly because it's it's a real page turner. Um, it's a good story, yeah. But is it as good of a story as Tombstone versus Red Baron? Oh, we'll have to do one on that someday. Just Those on both- a, a frozen pizza battle royale. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Someday we're gonna run out of hangover ideas, and that's all we're gonna have. <laughs> Tombstone was a town in history. Red Baron was a guy in history. Which pizza's better? All right, the next 20 minutes we'll discuss. Do you think the Red Baron in his uh, his German World War I era biplane, do you think if he took on the entire town of Tombstone during this era, he would win? Oh, absolutely. They'd be... You think so? Oh, yeah. They think it was like Jesus coming back to kill them. Because they don't know what a fucking flying machine is. and Yeah, but they shoot at everything. That's true. Ooh. And legend has it, he was killed by maybe some friendly ground fire. Hmm. So. Some guy in a cowboy a hat. Battle. Trying to shoot shoot the moon because he's drunk. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Threw an empty bottle up in the air, shot at it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Just a German pilot falls out of the sky and flops <laughs> on the ground. Three holsters all... 
not doesn't even do the fancy twirly gun holster, just reholsters all slowly and backs away and you just hear his spurs <laughs> jingling. <laughs> Damn it, Klaus, I told you you couldn't play cowboy anymore. <sighs> Gets on his horse. Ride steed. <laughs> Immediately dies in no man's land. It's like this is not a place for fucking games, Klaus. <laughs> Get your shit together. <laughs> He was still on the front lines of World War One the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was shell shocked and just fucking lost his fucking marbles. Thought he was a cowboy. I was just imagining a German in Tombstone that just <laughs> no. happened to shoot. Like, why the just fuck shoot is the Red, the Red Baron Baron. there? <laughs> I wouldn't imagine when we're uh, we're in fucking Passchendaele or something. <laughs> oh, anyway, Greg, what are you having to drink today, sir? Uh, I am having some Russell's Reserve. Mm. Because as you know, this story is about Kurt Russell. Uh, it totally is. And he lied to us. He's told that fucking bastard. This is a private barrel selection. Mm-hmm. It is 110 proof. Pretty good. Yeah, and Pretty maybe... Pretty good. Maybe we should use that as an opportunity to fill in the listener. When we talk about Kurt Russell lying to us, we're talking about the movie Tombstone. At least I am. I don't know if Kurt Russell lied to you personally. Other than, uh, you know, him... Tell me that morning that he'd call me. Yeah. yeah. Fucking prick. Goldie Hawn's banging on the door. Not again, Kurt! <laughs> he said, uh, money's on the nightstand. I gotta be in an acting gig early. <laughs> and we're in a trailer. It's still at a nightstand. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Money's on the night... Hey, you- no, yeah. I'll-, I'll call you, man. I'll call you. Uh, yeah. So... Other than that... Yeah, fuck you, Kurt Russell. Heartbreaker. What are you drinking, Chris? Uh, today, Greg, I am having Larceny, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It is the barrel proof. It's 123.2 proof. The funny thing, the thing I learned from this book was this story actually starts around a theft. It's not like a really personal vendetta. It's kind of like somebody's like setting somebody up and hush, hush, let's kill them before they can say anything kind of deal. Right. So, yeah, that's why I tied in. I was actually going to try and find Smoke Wagon Bourbon today. I couldn't find it because, true story, I'm not making this shit up. Um, there's a line in the movie where White Earp's confronting some dude, played by Billy Bob Thornton. I can't remember the guy's character's name. But he's confronting him, and he tells him, skin that smoke wagon. You know, he's telling him to pull his gun, right? Skin the smoke wagon. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's badass. When I was 12, when this movie came out, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. But in my brain, it got reversed. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not making this Smoke up. Smoke that skin wagon? Yes. <laughs> 12-year-old boy at school with his friends says, Smoke that skin wagon, unironically. And it's like, oh, God, I'm never going to live that fucking down. Like, I still wake up at 3 in the morning in cold sweats thinking about how much hell I caught after saying that. It's like, what do you want to do, Chris? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you heard me. You fucking that heard reminds me. Reminds me on um, movie or TV when I was a kid. I think I was second grade at the time. I didn't know what the word boner meant, mm. but we're all like, I'm not sure if I've already brought this up on the podcast, but you know, we're all in character on the playground or whatever. And I called somebody boner and fucking got immediately told on. Whatever movie or TV show this was, Boner was the name of like a um, like a motorcyclist. Oh, okay. I honestly had no idea it meant <laughs> erect penis, and I got in trouble for it. 
Then they contacted my mom and told her, and I got mm-hmm. in trouble at home, too. Nobody believed me that I legitimately did not know what boner meant in second <laughs> You're grade. You're eight years old. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Greg. You ready to get into this tale of the wild, wild west? Can't wait. Can't wait for Will Smith to show up. I'm so excited. Well, the legend that emerged from this story of this famous shootout was a man named Wyatt Earp. Wyatt was born in 1848 in Illinois to a large family. In 1861, his older brothers, Newton, James, and Virgil, all joined up to fight for the Union in the Civil War. 13-year-old Wyatt tried to join up as well, but they just patted him on the head and told him to go back home and do Fortnite dances while his brothers did the man's work. <laughs> like, he's just standing there, like, he's angrily doing the floss. Just, <laughs> he says, you've made a powerful enemy, old man. I'll dab on your grave someday. <laughs> Following the war, Wyatt's dad, Nicholas, led a wagon train to sunny California. Nicholas just wanted to be a farmer, but Wyatt had heard tales of men striking it rich out there, finding silver and gold, Greg. We just made this podcast seasonal, didn't we? We did. We Old brought Cornelius. it to Christmas. <laughs> silver and gold. Silver and gold. Who, if you recall, Greg, a few episodes we confirmed was a... Alaskan child murderer. So anytime we can work oh. that back in. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I really forgot about it. <laughs> there ain't no boys in this town anymore. I remember that was a punchline. <laughs> oh, I forget all this stuff. I do too, thankfully. Thank God. <laughs> well, Wyatt and his dad argued and in all likelihood took part in some fisticuffs before Wyatt said, fuck this, I'm out. And at the age of 16, he went and found a real job. Wyatt's brother, Virgil, soon returned home from the war and got a gig as a stagecoach driver, and soon thereafter, got his little brother a job with the same company. It's like when I told my little brother, I was like, man, go to this house. It it was like this house that was, it's not really important to the podcast, but it was around the corner, a couple streets down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I told him, I was like, dude, if you go to this house, you do some shirtless wrestling. And then some shirtless, like, picture taking. And this guy will give you, like, 20 bucks. Oh, man. And he said red flags all over the place, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I'm your older brother. You don't know what you're talking about. Whatever. I made out like a bandit. His fucking poor ass sat there not getting any candy. What an idiot. What a fucking moron. Mm-hmm. I mean, now he's a well-adjusted adult and runs a Fortune 500 company. And, you know, doesn't have to spend... Three days a week in therapy, but... Uh, I don't know why you're rubbing that in. I'm, I'm just, sorry. at the time, <laughs> he was an idiot, did not make the financially sound decision. Oh, do you think these guys that ran these stagecoaches were like Uber drivers today and felt like they had to fucking talk to you the whole time? I hate that. I mean, I, I hope not. I'm, I'm so antisocial. I don't know how it happened, but I don't want to talk to anybody. And especially when I'm like just hung over as shit and I'm asking you to drive me back home before my wife founds out I left for the night. Like, uh, just get me back there by five. She gets Smell up. Smell like two different kinds of cologne. <laughs> yeah. And fire, firewood and campfire smoke because, you know, can't do that in a hotel. She'll see the bills, you know, gotta <laughs> go out in the woods like a bunch of hobos. Actually, come to think of it, that guy might have been an actual hobo. He didn't uh, enough to pay for anything, and 
He asked me if I wanted some beans from his bindle. That should have been a red flag right there. But, uh... Now I'm starting to worry about the lack of condom use. (laughs) Wife might find out down the road. Yeah, a raccoon showed up in the middle of it. He's like, oh, no, 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 that's just old Joe. He likes to watch. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no, I I, seriously, I do hate the chatty Uber driver. I guess they feel like that's going to get them the five stars and big tip. Like, hey, how you guys doing? You have a good night? What are you up to? It's like, I don't... We really want to fucking talk about it, man. I I really just want to sit back here and enjoy this ride. But uh, I guess I'm the weirdo. Whatever. (laughs) Well, for some reason, the Earp family didn't care for California and soon headed back to the Midwest. Virgil and Wyatt went to work laying railway tracks for the Union Pacific. And this is probably where Wyatt learned to solve all of his problems through the ancient art of punching people. Virgil was more apt to offer drinks and a joke to defuse the situation, but he was also more than capable of holding his own in a fight. In 1869, Wyatt was voted to the office of constable. His first stint as a lawman did not go great. He ended up fleeing the town when he was accused of stealing public funds. He ran to Arkansas, where two years later, he was arrested for stealing horses. Luckily, Wyatt had studied and learned the law and acted as his own lawyer. He was acquitted and was soon offered a seat on the Supreme Court, but he turned it down because he was just too wild to be tamed. Actually, he, he just escaped through the ceiling of the jailhouse and ran away to Peoria, Illinois, where he became what they call a bummer, hmm. which is a cutesy way of saying he was a homeless man who constantly stole from people. I feel like they left that part out of Tombstone. You know, just a little... Remember that time you were homeless and just kept stealing shit? Shut up, I'm the hero of the story. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta paint a certain picture. Yeah. Eventually when I run for office, I'm gonna deny every bit of this podcast ever happened. It's like, oh no, that was wasn't me. <laughs> oh no. That was some other asshole. We should find that guy and beat him up, right, fellas? Right? Well, Wyatt's trail goes a little cold after that, but we do know he eventually moved on to Dodge City, Kansas, and served as an assistant city marshal, and then became a bounty hunter. More like Dog City, Kansas. Because he's the bounty hunter? Yeah, duh. duh. (laughs) I am the dog. (laughs) The big bad dog. Then he called a couple people the N-word and got ran out of town. Yeah, just like... Why? Er, but come on, you're spoiling the fucking story. Come on, slow down. No, no just like God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wyatt didn't actually do that. He's not a piece of shit. No. Eh, he's, kind he's, of, he's kind of a piece of shit. Eh, eh, spoilers. <laughs> Continue the story. Maybe I shouldn't have interjected there. <laughs> he's kind of like the Mandalorian. He just shows up and helps people, and then he leaves the planet forever. That's that's what he does. He, he's definitely not a piece of shit. I still haven't watched it. Get hip. Get with it. I'm sorry, man. I'm still learning how to dab. (laughs) It's difficult for me. I'm like four years behind here. (laughs) Well, it was on one of his bounty hunting trips into the great state of Texas that Wyatt met a degenerate gambler named Doc Holliday. And that's why this is our last episode before the holiday break. Hey! Hey! We like to stay on topic, people. We do. Nothing says Christmas like a bunch of guys getting murdered in the dirty streets of Arizona. You've never seen Home Alone 5. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. There was some video floating around. I, I didn't rewatch it about it was by an actual doctor. And it was the number of times Kevin McAllister would have literally killed Joe Pesci <laughs> and, and Daniel Stern in that movie. <laughs> <Just> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. And then someone else has pointed out, it's like, you know, he could have called the police at any time while people are in his house. He wanted to kill them. He wanted he to kill them. it. fuck. <laughs> yeah. Imagine what he grew up to be. Oh, yeah. He's basically fucking Jeffrey Dahmer. There's a bunch of dead male hookers in his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> they all been hit, like smashed in the face with paint cans and you know, electrified. It's like, what is wrong all with those, this kid? All those dead male hookers in his apartment. One live one that does not know about the dead ones. And he's having his first sip of wine. <laughs> or wasn't it, wasn't it rum and coke? I don't remember what his, he drank. He I think spit it, it out. Yeah. Oh, no, you're talking about was Dahmer, yeah. <laughs> Giving rum and cokes to the dudes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's Kevin McAllister. Yeah. How you want to watch this gangster movie? Like, they're sitting there on the couch, and what was the movie they were watching in Home Alone? What was that with the gangsters? Oh, uh, Angels with Filthy Souls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> That's when Kevin McAllister springs with a knife and just starts stabbing the guy in the chest. <laughs> That's actually what turned him bad. It was that and mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis. Uh, yeah, that'll do Otherwise, it. Otherwise, he would have been a very well-adjusted kid. Yeah, even though his parents kept fucking abandoning him. <laughs> yeah, several times. You know, after the first two times, you can't say it's an accident anymore, okay, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> You know what? After the first time, after the first time, tra- you- yeah, I was gonna say, what a traumatic experience that would be to leave. Would they go to Paris? They yeah, they're going to Paris. Oh, Paris, huh? And uh, yeah, that would be so traumatic. The next big family thing. Yeah, that would be. You'd forget another kid before you would forget that one, right? Because you would be so laser focused on like, all right, like that would that. Is what would fuck up his childhood. He'd be like in one of those uh, baby Bjork things right. <laughs> at like 11 years old. Just grown ass to his mom's Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Swaddled against his mom yeah. going to the airport. Younger kids are running around fine. It's okay. Yeah. Nope, she, she leaves she, him again. <laughs> she reverts. She takes hormones and reverts to breastfeeding him. <laughs> yeah. She has another kid with her husband. Bottle feeds that kid like with formula just so that she can kick the uh, breasticles back into action <laughs> for Kevin <laughs> to give Kevin McAllister his <laughs> his meals like that's how fucked up that would make a mom. You know what? Yeah, I don't see how she leaves him again. And also he had to be a fucked up adult because he never told anybody that he tried to murder two grown men multiple times. Like he like <laughs> he cleaned that shit up. Yeah. She gets home, he's like, oh, sorry, I forgot you. He's like, oh, no big deal. I missed you too, Mom. Mm-hmm. And the homeless, Just getting started. homeless old man murderer neighbor who shovels salt and everybody's like, oh, he killed his wife and he buries her in the salt every year or whatever the fuck they said. Mm-hmm. He's in on it, but he's kind of aroused by the idea of killing two grown men and keeping it a secret with a little boy. <laughs> so no one knew. No one had any idea. And nobody's sure what he's aroused about. <laughs> right? Just, is it the killing two grown men? Or 
to see her with well, a Well, anyway, do you want to you want to continue with this story? Just constantly walking down the street in sweatpants with a boner. Oh, there goes old man erection again. <laughs> Kids, you stay away from him. Are you here? And Kevin's like, "Oh shit, I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're best friends now." <laughs> We hang out in the basement. Yeah. Talk about all the people we've murdered. It's hilarious. <laughs> Basically, Kevin McAllister became Dexter, and the old man was his, was his mentor who taught him how to be a serial killer and only kill bad people. Oh, okay. I oh, like man. that fan fiction. Jeez. We need to stop giving this away for free. I feel like I'd be selling so much to Hollywood. We're going to see a screenplay out there next week on this shit. God yeah. damn. Anyway... And you were worried we couldn't tie this into Christmas, and we just spent 20 minutes talking about Home Alone. <laughs> That's right. Man, we did it again. Well, anyway, John Doc Henry Holiday was born in 1851. His mom died of tuberculosis when he was a child, and his dad remarried. He was a rebellious teen, and in 1870, he told his father and stepmother that they could go to hell. He was going to dental college. Like, what a fucking weird-ass way to rebel against your parents. Like, you're just storming out the door carrying your suitcase, and your dad's like, Son, you get your ass back in here and listen to metal music and smoke some goddamn cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Dad. I'm going to dental school. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, another holiday tie-in. Because that elf and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer wanted to be a dentist. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, Hermie. Hermie. Hermie, yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that was his name? <laughs> I didn't know that was his name, and it, I'm laughing because I'm immature in the typical jokes we make on this <laughs> podcast. He had both parts. Oh, <laughs> 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 Hermie. No, he's not a hermaphrodite. <laughs> He wanted to be a dentist, and uh, he rebelled just just like <laughs> old Doc Holliday. And they both remind me of our new friend, Newis. Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck you, Trevor. I want to stick my fingers in ladies' mouths. <laughs> <laughs> Newis, why are you so weird? God damn it. <laughs> oh, for that one, you're going to have to listen to the back... Six hours of the last fucking episode released released last week. Whatever. Do you think that um, the elf Hermie wanted to become a dentist for somewhat unsavory reasons? What do you mean? Well, you know, like maybe remove some teeth. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe like uh, you know, Ronald McDonald had a McRib removed so he could suck his own dick. <laughs> That's why Hermie wants to take out teeth. Maybe. <laughs> Your elf mouths are all too small. <laughs> Scrapes. It hurts. If we want to get Cornelius' silver and gold, we need to perform. <laughs> Just a theory. There's not a lot of women at the North Pole. You gotta make do, okay? <laughs> Miss Santa already has a, a harem of boyfriends. We can't possibly hope to work our way in there. Cornelius strolls back into the North Pole in town. He just stumbles into a saloon. He's like, where are all the women at? And it's just a bunch of toothless dude elves and wigs. <laughs> he goes back up the mountain. 
the abominable snowman still in his sex swing. He's like, well, I guess it's your turn again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hope we've ruined that childhood classic for everyone. It's a terrible movie. Uh, In the past half hour, I've ruined it for myself, for sure. I'm going to watch it with my daughter. the hermaphrodite with herpes. (laughs) (laughs) Who took the teeth of elves so they could give better blowies. I'm going to be laughing my ass off when I watch this with my daughter. I'm going to have to explain it. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Daddy's just being silly. (laughs) (laughs) Daddy's drunk again. Daddy's always drunk. Shut up! (laughs) Go make daddy an old-fashioned. Jesus! (laughs) Go easy on the sugar this time. Fuck. (laughs) These aren't old fashions for kids. Jeez. Busts out the uh, the box of high fructose corn syrup. (laughs) No, it's not kids old fashioned. (laughs) Well, Holiday moved to Georgia and began to practice dentistry. And this is when he was given the oh-so-clever nickname of Doc. And it's also where he found out he, too had tuberculosis. At the time, a diagnosis of TB was a death sentence. So Doc began drinking, gambling, and fighting all the damn time. Unfortunately, he was a small, skinny dentist who was, as one of his closest friends put it, quote, a weakling who could not have whipped a healthy 15-year-old boy in a go-as-you-please fistfight, end quote. And I'm right there with him. Like, uh... Like I, I pull up to the gas station, and I'm pumping gas, and this 12-year-old pulls up on his scooter, and he's like, hey, man, give me some money for the gas, and I want some Twizzlers. I'm like, yes, sir. Here you are, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you don't even just comply. <laughs> you fully cuck down to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. yes, yes. You lower yourself beneath his level. <laughs> yeah. Would you like my wife's phone number? <laughs> You can please her if I can watch. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just be in the corner. You can't watch. Okay, well, here it is anyway. Don't beat me up, sir. (laughs) No, I'm a tough guy. I'm strong, Greg. I go to the gym. That's right. I know all the karate moves. Still, Doc and Wyatt became close friends, and when their paths crossed again in Dodge City a couple years after their first meeting... Doc did not hesitate to draw his own revolver when he saw Wyatt was outnumbered by Texas outlaws. No one fired any shots, but Wyatt felt that Doc had saved his life all the same. And that's that's my main gripe with this, uh, our main source here. He goes out of his way to slander Texans. Uncalled for. Every time someone's causing trouble, he's like, and these guys came from Texas. Yeah, fuck you, Gin. Yeah. In 1879, Wyatt resigned as assistant city marshal and headed to Arizona, where his brother Virgil was making a name for himself, would soon be named a U.S. Marshal. They also moved to Tombstone, which was a silver boomtown near the border of Mexico. But behind silver, the second most important resource to Tombstone was beef. And that's where the Clantons and the Cowboys come in. The demand for beef in Tombstone was huge. So huge, in fact, that the local ranchers, such as the Clanton family, couldn't keep up. They turned to the cowboys, who were a bunch of thieves and cattle rustlers who stole cattle from Mexican ranchers and sold them at low prices to families like the Clantons, who would then sell the cattle in Tombstone for a profit. 
People and lawmen in Tombstone turn a blind eye to this because the Cowboys have spent their earnings in Tombstone saloons and casinos, and also because they stole from Mexicans, which everyone viewed as lesser humans. Bunch of fucking racists. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought in late 19th century America there was a bunch of racists? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there still are in yeah. early... 21st century America, but who would have thought back then? So soon after slavery was abolished. It's not like 74 million want to build a wall to keep Mexicans out of their country. It's not like that happened just recently. (laughs) Well, the Cowboys weren't an organized gang. In fact, at this point in history, cowboy was just a generic term for people who had no regard for the law. Most of the cowboys actually felt like the law was specifically designed to oppress them and consider themselves the victims in most situations. They had some notorious members, like Curly Bill Brocious and John Ringo, but their role in the story is a little more limited than the movies would have you believe. But, like a true American hero, John Ringo did once shoot a man for saying he'd prefer beer to whiskey. And John Ringo also became close friends with Ike Clinton. And the final character we really need to know to tell this story right is the Cochise County Sheriff, Johnny Behan. He is more of a politician than a fighter, and like most politicians, he was a bit slimy. In 1881, when Cochise County came into existence, both Wyatt Earp and Behan wanted the job as sheriff. Wyatt agreed to back down if Behan made him the undersheriff, or second-in-command. Unter-sheriff. Yeah. Behan agreed. God damn it. Now I'm just thinking about the fucking Germans trying to sh- sh- cowboy shoot in the streets of Tombstone as the Red Baron flies over. <laughs> Behan agreed, but when he was made sheriff, he ditched Wyatt and hired someone else instead. Naturally, this created friction between Behan and the Earps. The violence began to escalate in Tombstone. At one point, two men got into a shooting when they had a disagreement on whether it was cool outside or not. I say it's mild. I say it's cool. I say it's cool in the gang. Third guy comes in. Why is he naked? (laughs) Anyway, everybody does. He's just playing celebrate on his LPs. (laughs) Yahoo! (laughs) Just dead bodies all over the floor, and you go, What the fuck? Celebrate good time. Come on! Sheriff walks in, he's like, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> they both shoot him first before shooting each other. <laughs> it, it sounds so stupid, but it really happened that they they fought over the fucking temperature. Why is this naked Indian holding a record player that was playing Cool in the Gang? <laughs> and I do not mean Native American. <laughs> it's he actually- came all the way from India to do this. What in the fuck is going on? This is a crazy ass cool town. The game. What the fuck is that in that guy's hands? <laughs> Thomas Edison walks over. He's like, oh, that's neat. I'm going to take credit for that, too. And runs out the building. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good, Chris. <laughs> History jokes. <laughs> Ooh. It doesn't have to be all penises, Greg. We can make jokes about history. <laughs> it was a naked Indian. <laughs> <laughs> and a naked Thomas Edison, but I left that out. <laughs> that was supposed to be up to the viewer. Yeah, but that was implied. where I was leading them. <laughs> 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 well, 
Well, on March 15th, 1881, three cowboys robbed a stagecoach and killed two men. The public was outraged and demanded justice. The stagecoach company, Wells Fargo, offered a total of $3,600 for the capture of the robbers. Johnny Behan and Wyatt Earp joined forces to track them down, but ultimately failed. It was then that Wyatt had another idea. He met up with Ike Clanton and told him that he needed to spread the word to the Cowboys that another stagecoach would come through with even more money. Then, when they came out of hiding, Wyatt would arrest them and give the full $3,600 to Ike. Wyatt didn't care about that money. He wanted to look like a hero so he could win the office of sheriff in the 1882 election. And the thing about being sheriff back then was also you were the big tax collector, and there's a lot of wealthy people around Tombstone, and you got to keep... I believe it was 10%. It may have been 25 but I think it was 10% of everything you collected. So basically, these guys are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as the sheriff. And that's why he wanted the gig. It wasn't some like big belief in the law and right and wrong and all that shit. He just wanted to be fucking rich. Right. The equivalent of hundreds modern of day. Thousands. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, okay. Forty to 80000 back then. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. You gotta clear it up for these 12-year-olds, dude. That's true. Well, Wyatt's plan would also fail, because it turned out that the three men responsible for the holdup were dead already. They had been killed trying to commit other crimes in New Mexico. But soon, Ike Clanton learned that Wyatt had told a whole bunch of people about his plan, which terrified Ike, because if the cowboys found out, they'd have Ike killed. And there's another little thing here, very interesting note. Wyatt's telling Ike about this plan, and Ike's like, well, what if they're dead? What happens? And Wells Fargo's like, yeah, we'll still pay for it if they're dead. Making them, like, the first corporation. Mm. Yeah. The first corporation in America to put a bounty on someone's head and not care if you killed them. There's no warrant out for these guys' arrest. There's no death warrant signed by a judge. There's like, yeah, fucking kill them. I don't care. We'll pay you either way. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't imagine if that was the case today. Fucking Blockbuster be coming after me for all the late fees. I still owe them. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking gunshots all the time. Be fired at me. Get a knock on your door. It's a guy in a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, you subscribe to Netflix? <sighs> yes. He blows you away in front of your son. <laughs> we know you've been sharing accounts with your dad, you fucking piece of shit. Well, I just mean that was there was a blockbuster guy. Mm-hmm. He gets back in his stagecoach fucking... Drags my street, my literally dead stops body. at the neighbor's house. Just he's going through an entire neighborhood because everyone has fucking Netflix. The entire apartment complex. He's just banging on doors. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! For some reason, inexplicable reasons, people keep opening the door <laughs> and answering truthfully. Uh huh. Yep. Boom! Oh fuck! I don't know if you ever lived in an apartment complex. Their problems aren't my problems. So I hear people like screaming, like bloody murder in another apartment, gunshots. You're like, well, I'm sure someone will call the cops. Fucking neighbors. I know. I'm trying to watch Big Bang Theory in here and I got to keep cranking the fucking volume. You hear three neighbors get shot and you're like, oh, thank God. Knock on your door. You're like, hmm, I wonder who that could be. I told my fucking Uber driver, non-contact delivery of my McDonald's. What the fuck is this shit? 
I'm going to rip this guy a new one. <laughs> it's just fucking Kurt Russell standing there at his fucking shotgun. Because <laughs> I wanted the original idea behind the McRib. <laughs> I do fucking love the McRib. I don't care where it came from. I don't care if he wanted to take a rib out and suck his own dick. I love the McRib. <laughs> well, once Ike became aware that Wyatt had told other people, the stage was almost set for a showdown between him and the Earps. During the summer of 1881, while Wyatt Earp was scheming with Ike Clanton, Virgil Earp was made the new chief of police. His eight-man police force, none of which were his brothers, made a ton of arrests in an effort to clean up the streets. Meanwhile, Sheriff Johnny Behan was trying to pin the Wells Fargo stagecoach robbery on Doc Holliday because he knew it would reflect poorly on Doc's BFF, Wyatt Earp. When it was revealed that the only evidence against Doc was an affidavit from his drunk and mad prostitute girlfriend, the judge dropped the charges. But once again, Behan had pissed off the Earps. And you know what? Actually, I'd like to take a second. Once again, I'm going to bring up Tombstone because I think that's the way most people know this story. I mean, it's a fantastic movie. I, I it's a really, really good movie. I love the movie. It is not historically accurate, but it's a really, really good movie. Yeah, I watched it today after reading the book, and there's a lot of stuff that they get wrong. They do a lot of stuff right. I feel like it's like 70-30, which I'll accept. It's not like The Patriot or Braveheart or you know anything involving <laughs> Mel Gibson where they just fucking make it up as they go. Um, Got rocket launchers in it and shit. <laughs> yeah. Huey helicopters cresting the hill, playing Fortunate Son as William Wallace is charging. <laughs> Love you. Always have, right before he suicide bombs. <laughs> he opens up his vest. He's got, like, the dynamite. Somebody, somebody calls the cell phone from uh, uh, back in the Scottish lines. <laughs> Love you, always have, and he fucking pulls open his kilt. Yeah. And just in his dick area is a bunch of explosives. Like, no! Attached to his cell phone. Guy calls his cell phone. Boom. Danny Glover's just sitting on a toilet going, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in the movie, they make this woman, Kate, his girlfriend or whatever, out to be like his temptress who's always like trying to get him to be strong and drink and fight everybody or whatever. He's like, my man can do anything. Mm -hmm. um, in real life, she wanted him to leave Tombstone. She fucking hated Wyatt Earp, thought he was a bad influence, and thought Doc should go somewhere else where he could live a peaceful life. But, you know, they wanted, I guess in the movie, to make the woman, you know, the fucking, uh, uh, what's Samson's girlfriend? The one to cut off his hair? Delilah. He wanted her to be a Delilah and trick him into being, you know, sinful or whatever. So I, that was just an aside I had here. It reminded me of that at this point in the story. It's probably also important to note that Johnny Behan had long suspected that Wyatt was banging his girlfriend, Josephine, behind his back. And rightfully so. It's another thing the movie gets wrong. They don't hook up until afterward, but they were fucking the whole time. <laughs> well, the movie just had to show Wyatt as this, you know, completely perfect person, yeah, basically. Yeah. Never did anything wrong. But Behan knew. They're sitting there banging on the couch, and, you know, he confronts them, and they both get off the couch, and they're covering their privates or whatever, even though it's like, I know what you did, bitch. <laughs> and then, um, you know, you brought up Danny Glover. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to evoke the spirit of Danny DeVito. <laughs> okay. Danny DeVito from Always Sunny. You have to have seen the scene to find this funny. But he comes out fucking completely naked and lubed up from in between the <laughs> leather couch cushions. That happens. And Behan's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Erp runs out of the house. Mm -hmm. He's sitting there in shock. He's still at the front door. But then at that point, the naked... Two foot eighteen, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Two foot eighteen <laughs> puts his hand around his girl and saying, "Okay, Josephine's mine." <laughs> Behan just turns around, leaves the apartment, mm. walks down to the OK Corral for a couple drinks. Who can blame him? I can't. I definitely can't. And that is history, folks. That is true history. 100 Proof History. How come we don't call it true history and they call it true crime? Like, if you don't call it true crime, are you lying about it half the time? This is a crime podcast. <laughs> Good luck figuring it out, stupids. Probably should call it a history podcast. Not true history. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. If true history existed, we'd still call this a history podcast, just to be <laughs> clear. Well, Johnny Behan was never actually going to marry Josephine, but it still kind of stung, you know? See Wyatt banging your girlfriend. Yeah, that's what I'd say, too, if I caught her with fucking Wyatt Earp and then Danny DeVito right after. <laughs> squeezes out of my couch. Well, you know, she wasn't marriage material. Oh, uh, uh, well, how'd you come to that conclusion there, <laughs> smart guy? He slowly, like, got his hand in his pocket, and he's just, like, tossing that ring box back and forth between his fingers. <laughs> hey, what's that in your pocket? Also, my grandmother's ring. Yeah, what are we gonna uh, what are we gonna do with that? Oh, good luck. It's a good luck charm. I was gonna pawn it, get some prostitutes, you know, just celebrate being single, you know, normal guy stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but yeah, the movie does paint this as a romantic relationship. Uh, it turns out, and you know, it's like the whole time in the movie. Uh, Wyatt Earp's actual wife is addicted to opiate laudanum, but, you know, it's a opiate or whatever. And yes. she's just going off the fucking rails, and they're falling out of love, and this new woman shows. Turns out, she was actually his third wife. They had all been prostitutes that he had hired and managed. And so, like, and they were never actually married. They're all common law married. So it was very easy for him to leave her and start banging the famed actress, Josephine. Which goes back to the biblical phrase, mm -hmm. you cannot turn a hoe into a housewife. That's true. I think Jesus quoted his <laughs> saying that. So. At the Last Supper. And everybody's like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and Judas fucked me over. Uh, but, uh... but my main message <laughs> is you cannot turn a hoe into a housewife. Yeah. Because they all ask, they're like, Jesus, why are we eating here? Isn't Mary Magdalene, like, making a ham or something? It's like, oh, fuck, let me tell you something, buddy. She's twerking at the club. Yeah. She's making the money. I'm a carpenter. How, you know, come on. We don't make bank. <laughs> <laughs> She's scheduled to work till two every morning. Mm -hmm. You guys told me, why does she get home at five? <laughs> why does she have different uh, hotel matchboxes? In her purse. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I might be a cuck, but I'm not an idiot. 
Ah, oh, I wish somebody would betray me and sell me off to the Romans. I'm just ready to fucking die. <laughs> Christmas time <laughs> in the city. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> well, it's also important to know that during the summer, Ike Clanton's father, Newman, had been killed by Jerry Seinfeld. No, that's not right. Ike Clanton's father, Newman, had been killed by Mexican soldiers after they suspected he had been helping steal Mexican cattle. Again, rightfully so. Newman had always kept Ike in check, but now that his dad was dead, Ike was going to crank his Andrew WK CDs and party hard. Let's get a party going. Let's get a party going. Fucking love that. You definitely have to explain this one to the... Do I? Was that like 2005 when that was big? Probably, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Look it up, kids. If it works for you like it does for me, it'll get you that extra two and a half pounds at the gym. Like, oh yeah, feeling the burns (laughs) with these (laughs) (laughs) 7.5s. Oh, hey, and he didn't even drink. Andrew WK didn't? No, he's completely sober. What a pussy. I know, it's weird, right? Yeah, I'm done with him. Never mind. I don't know what to think. I'm going to just listen to The Clash. I know that guy partied. <laughs> Light Clanton began to bitch at Wyatt, telling him that he knew that Earp had told Doc Holliday all about the plan to set up the Cowboys with a second stagecoach robbery. When Doc returned to Tombstone on October 22nd, 1881, Wyatt asked him to explain to Ike that he had no idea what the fuck Ike was talking about and put the matter to rest. Surely the drunk asshole dentist with a death wish would prevent the need for further violence. Right? Right? I would think so. But we will find out after this break. Aliens in the desert? What? All right, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Greg had the pleasure of spending his entire break talking to my eight-year-old daughter about all of her hopes and dreams. Only the last few minutes. The rest of it was talking to my 28-year-old wife. Ah, fair enough. About hers, and honestly, (laughs) there wasn't much of a difference. (laughs) Wasn't much of a difference. Oh, your wife actually listens to this podcast. She might she might already bailed. She'll never know. She doesn't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Greg, it is time for the bit that I think only you and I care about anymore. Maybe there's someone out there, some 16-year-old kid who scored a fake ID or has a really cool aunt who wants all the kids to like her. But it is time for Second Half Seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. She's like, yeah, Aiden, I'll buy you a, a 12-pack of Trulies, but... Uh, Aiden. <laughs> you gotta invite your friends over. <laughs> a 12-year-old. <laughs> That's the one rule. You'll have to spend the night. That way I know nobody's driving anywhere. <laughs> We're 12, Aunt Christy. <laughs> well, then it should be easy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, boys. Like Call of Duty? I've got the newest Call of Duty right here. If you want to play it while I watch you. Why don't you just go ahead and take off your shirts? Just, you know, it's, a, it's warm in here. It's August. Why is the heater on? Oh, it's it's broken. I'm I'm sorry. It's on the fritz. I keep meaning to get it fixed, but uh, <laughs> I've been spending all my money on, uh, I don't know. What are you kids like, Pokemons? Yes, I've been spending all my money on Pokemons and Trulies. Hey, Carlos, is that why your aunt's walking around in a thong and a bra? <laughs> all right. Three, two, one. That is truly a delicious pineapple seltzer. And I am drinking truly grapefruit. Uh, I mean, a truly delicious seltzer just like you. Yeah! Flavor happens to be grapefruit. I really do hope that all of our listeners join in on this tradition. I don't, you know, I don't think they're delving into the whiskeys like we do. We are... Um, whiskey connoisseurs. That's what I like to tell my wife and my connoisseurs. AA, AA sponsor. Like, no, 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 no. It's a hobby. It's uh, I'm collecting them. <laughs> L- listen, the judge has ordered me to come to AA. Mm-hmm. Is there a CA maybe that I would be interested in? <laughs> connoisseurs Anonymous. Because, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not, not an alcoholic. I'm not out here drinking fucking, like, tin high whiskey. That shit is terrible. No, I, I have taste, okay? Come on. <laughs> I only drink that expensive shit, you yeah. son of a bitch, judge. <laughs> <laughs> Doubles my sentence to AA. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, anyway, uh, Greg, take us home tonight. Well, boys and girls, on October 25th, Ike rode into town and spent 10 to 12 consecutive hours drinking and gambling. My man. Oh, no. At around midnight, he stumbled into a restaurant and sat down for a meal. That's when Doc came in. Wyatt had hoped that Doc would act calmly and rashly. Instead, the two men got into an argument. Doc called Ike a son of a bitch and told him to get his gun out and get to work. Morgan Earp grabbed Doc and pulled him into the street, but Ike followed, shouting insults and threatening to fight the whole Earp family. Wyatt told Ike to go home and sleep it off. Instead, Ike went to another saloon and played poker with Virgil Earp. The game was over at 6am, and it was revealed that Virgil had played the entire night while keeping a pistol resting in his lap, which further pissed off Ike. It's like, uh, you know... If you go to your sister-in-law's house and you're there to help fix a leak or whatever, mm-hmm. nothing happens, but your wife discovers you were wearing a condom the whole time. <laughs> it's just a bad look. Yeah, you know, you got to- Like, p- who, who gallivants around town wearing a condom? Like, all limp and stuff. It doesn't even work. Right. It it's fit. just on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, honey. I thought I might have to pee while doing this electrical work, and I- didn't want to, you know, use their bathroom and be an ingracious guest. I was at their house. I wanted to, you know, play it safe. Also, I thought I might spread my disease and I wanted to keep it covered. But, uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he just, he had the pistol on the on the lap there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the implication. That's how I do all of my lap dances at the strip club. 
it gives both of us a, a bit of a thrill. What is your grinding on the man? Well, you yeah. feel his pistol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was trying to be straight for like ten seconds, and you just flipped it around on me, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's true. That happened. <laughs> Put that away, sir. Well, Ike threatened to fight Virgil, but Virgil was tired and just wanted to go to bed. Besides, he knew Ike had been up drinking for like 18 hours, and he was sure to pass out at any given moment. Surely. Yeah, I think we've all been there. We have this really, really, really drunk friend. Maybe it's not even a friend, just someone you know, tangentially. Uh, I have said that wrong. Tangentials. Yes, oh. I've said that wrong every time I say it. It's not Ricardo. <laughs> it's not nice on purpose. To see you again. <laughs> However, you say that word. Yes, um, it's it's someone you know, and they're drunk, and they're acting, and they're making an ass out of themselves. And you're like, okay, this guy's not normally like this. He's just drunk as a fuck. And you're like, ah, we should let him sleep it off. And he just causes further problems. You go to like a Waffle House with him. You think he's going to fall asleep over his fucking pancakes. Because they will make a pancake if you ask specifically for a pancake. I don't know if people know that. They will. And it's a Waffle just, House secret right there. He falls asleep over it. You're like, oh. He's like, thank God. Thank God. He wakes up and he starts screaming about the Jews and the globalists. You're like, oh, oh, shit. I'm not with him. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know this guy. I don't know him. I just give him a ride. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but what's the status of my coffee? You, you guys are uh, kind of slow tonight. Hmm? Hmm? Well, flash forward to noon when someone woke Virgil up to tell him that Ike was still out drinking and causing problems. But now he was carrying a pistol and a rifle. Virgil soon found Ike and confronted him. Ike reached for his pistol, but before he could draw, Virgil smashed him in the face with the butt of his pistol and dropped Ike to the fucking ground. They called this buffaloing. It was the Earp's favorite move. Just smash somebody in the fucking face with a pistol and drop him. Just a little fun fact for you. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Ike was arrested and brought before the judge. At his hearing, he and Wyatt got into another kerfuffle and threatened each other. This was a seriously volatile and dangerous situation, which the judge immediately solved by fining Ike $25 for illegally carrying a weapon and set him free. I love that. This insanely drunk man. <laughs> He's incredibly <laughs> drunk, carrying guns. I'll fucking kill any herbs. And Wyatt is sitting in the courtroom going, I'll fucking kill you too, bitch. Bring it on, you stupid motherfucker. And the judge is like, well, that won't be my problem till later this afternoon. And I get off at two, so okay. <laughs> well, Wyatt was pissed, which was super bad news for the next man he saw, which happened to be Tom McLaurie, a fellow rancher and friend of Ike Clanton. Tom asked Wyatt where Ike was. Wyatt thought this was less of a genuine question and more of a smart-ass remark, and so, naturally, he beat the ever-loving piss out of Tom right there in the middle of the street. Wyatt would say it was because he saw Tom carrying a gun. Either way, Tom returned to his hotel and checked his gun because he didn't want any more trouble with the Earps. Yeah, in the movie, you see this scene where this guy's like, fuck you, White. I'll fight anybody anywhere, and then he shows his gun, and White pulls out that guy's gun and pounds him on the head. 
But really, White was just being a dickhead, and he was pissed that Ike Clanton got to go free. So he's like, the first guy he crossed, who he thought was Ike's friend, he's like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of this guy. Like, he's not actually the hero that the movie paints him to be. He's just kind of a major fucking dickhead. Oh, yeah. I think that's kind of evident as you really get into this story. It's like, there's no, like... Good guys here. No, no, they're all assholes. Yeah. They're all just dickheads. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe Virgil. Virgil wasn't that bad. Virgil's trying to keep things lawful, but uh, White and Doc and all of the Clantons and all the McLord, they just wanted to fucking fight each other. Yes. That's what's going to happen. Well, that afternoon, Frank McClory and Billy Clanton rode into town. When they heard the trouble Ike and Tom had been in, they decided it would be best to get their brothers out right the fuck out of there. But first, they needed to make a pit stop at the local gun store to purchase more guns. Wyatt Earp saw all of this and assumed they were getting ready for a fight. He watched as the men made their way to the OK Corral, and then he went to get his brothers, Virgil and Morgan. Doc Holliday decided to tag along, too. Virgil just wanted to disarm and arrest the men, but Sheriff Behan convinced him to wait so he could do it. But when Behan got to the OK Corral, he found the men had left and were hanging out in a vacant lot down the street. He tried to disarm them, but failed. When Virgil and the Earp saw this, they made their move. As soon as Virgil entered the lot, he and his brothers drew their pistols. Doc Holliday was carrying a shotgun. Virgil said, Throw up your hands, boys. I intend to disarm you. Frank McGlory said in the exact same voice, We will. (laughs) but began to draw his pistol. Virgil shouted, again in his own very original voice, Hold! I don't mean that. But it was too late. He's like, Hold! No, 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 I'm just kidding. I don't mean that. Let me see him. I I don't mean the hold part, but (laughs) but, yeah. Yeah. Pull him out, bitches. (laughs) Yeah. Wyatt fired his pistol and struck Frank in the stomach. As Frank fell to the ground, he fired and struck Virgil in the calf. Ike Clanton, who had wanted the fight the whole time, was unarmed. His guns had been taken following his arrest. He rushed at Wyatt and grabbed a hold of him to point out that he had no weapon. While they wrestled, Morgan Earp shot Ike's little brother Billy and dropped him. About that same time, a bullet tore through Morgan's shoulder. It's unclear who fired that round. Tom McClory had been hiding behind a horse. But eventually, Wyatt wrestled himself free of Ike Clanton and shot the horse. What a hero. Oh, it's a genius move, by the way. When it fled, Doc Holliday blasted Tom straight to hell with a shotgun. <laughs> Dumb bitch. I <laughs> get wrecked. <laughs> Stupid motherfucker. You said pistols only. We brought a shotgun. Fucking idiot. Goes over and teabags him multiple times like it's a video game. <laughs> Frank McClory managed to stumble into the street. Doc gave chase and found a gun pointed right at him. Frank said, I've got you now. Doc replied in a completely different voice, Blaze away. You're a daisy <laughs> if you have. If anybody's seen the movie, that's pretty, I, that's pretty that's close spot to his on. Accent. Yeah, that's pretty you know, good. You know, For a dentist you know. who decided to go fight everybody, I think mm-hmm. you nailed it. I think you mm-hmm. did. With tuberculosis. Yes. Well, Frank fired and grazed Doc's hip. Morgan Earp then shot Frank in the head and killed him. (laughs) Sucks to suck. (laughs) Then Doc teabagged him like he did fucking something. (laughs) (laughs) 
After a total of about 30 shots fired within 30 seconds, the shootout at the vacant lot down the street from the OK Corral, it was over. They didn't call it that for some reason. It didn't have the same ring to it. Yeah, it wasn't the shootout at the vacant lot down the street from the OK Corral. <laughs> uh, who can say? Who can say why? Really what happened was the first bullshit story someone told about. They called it the shootout near the OK Corral. And someone said, well, what if we just mark out near? Oh, that looks, that looks better. Shoot out the OK Corral. That's awesome. That's more Wild Westy. Let's do that. Arrest warrants were issued for the Earp brothers and Doc Holliday. After a lengthy court hearing, the judge dropped the charges. But by then, rumors had circulated that the Earps had killed four unarmed men in cold blood as they attempted to surrender. Their arch enemies, the Cowboys in particular, were prone to believe such rumors, and they wanted revenge. The Earps moved all of their families into one hotel. It's like genius. It's not yeah. like it could be burned down or anything made no, completely of wood. It's fine, yeah. yeah. Now we can keep them safe. <laughs> or all of our wives die, we marry rich hawkers. Yes! Fuck's a hawker. Well, I've been drinking, Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> the cowboys set up shop in the hotel directly across the street. That guy keeps looking at me. What's he up to? Binoculars across the street the whole fucking time. (laughs) That man is moving his arm very vigorously below the windowsill. (laughs) Something is going on. No, Virgil, stop. Stop, stop, Virgil. He's doing it when the kids are playing. (laughs) I'm Uncle Johnny Ringo. I'd like to buy you an ice cream and film you with my cell phone for all my friends in Singapore. I can't say <laughs> Cowboy Chris Hansen busts him. <laughs> he goes to jail. Why don't you have a seat on that bar stool over there? <laughs> what were you doing over here with a lambskin condom already on your penis <laughs> and four sarsaparillas? <laughs> sarsaparillas. <laughs> The guy walks into the bar, and the player piano just fucking stops. It's like, <laughs> Why don't you have a seat over here? <laughs> like, oh shit, everybody just left this bar, what's happening? <laughs> He's got a handful of balloons and a teddy bear. <laughs> I've been watching the herbs across the street. I know that young herb is 18 years old. I know he is. Chris Hansen's in a circa 2005... Uh, suit still. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this guy? What are you? What are you wearing anyway? <laughs> Chris Hansen's all like, uh, "What really happened here?" <laughs> exactly, Wolf Dick. Oh, he sobered up. That's Yay. the type of question he would be asking. <laughs> Thank yes. you, Wolf Dick. I'm glad to see you got that Mexican and or Chinese food in you, mm-hmm. and that you're doing much better now. Yep. Wolf Dick, what's your favorite race? <laughs> no! <laughs> no! No, I so meant, you, I meant you horse race. Horse race. No, you God, what Jesus. is wrong with you? Shit, mine was the Brickyard 500. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> anyway, uh, where where were we? <laughs> Jesus I don't know. Fucking, God only knows. He must still be drunk. <laughs> anyway, where were we? So, uh, yeah. The Cowboys had set up shop across 
across the street. Uh, one of them was uh, a bad actor. Obviously a pervert, yes. Chris Hansen got him. He He's out of the picture. Cool, so, cool, cool, cool. History. <laughs> Hundred proof history. So Doc Holliday, he didn't give any fuck, so he just kept on drinking and gambling. On December 28th, 1881, as Virgil Earp was walking back to the hotel, a gunman jumped out with a shotgun and fired. Virgil was hit in the back, thigh, and left arm. He'd live, but he'd lose all use of his arm for the rest of his life. A few months later, Morgan Earp was playing billiards with Wyatt when two gunshots rang out. One narrowly missed Wyatt's head. The other ripped through Morgan's spine. Unfortunately, he was pronounced dead 40 minutes later. A witness came forward and identified the assassins as cowboys. Wyatt telegraphed the U.S. Marshals and requested to fill his brother Virgil's role as a deputy marshal. He was about to seek revenge of his own. Wyatt formed a posse and began to hunt the cowboys. In early 1882, Wyatt was putting Virgil and his family on a train in Tucson when he spotted a cowboy named Frank Stillwell. He chased the man down, and supposedly Stillwell confessed and implicated Curly Bill and John Ringo in the assassination of Morgan. Of course, that's Wyatt's side of the story. Right. Frank didn't get to tell his because, you know, right when he fucking confessed this, (laughs) Wyatt shot him dead on the spot. Oh, yeah, he said these guys were totally involved. I'm going to kill them, too. It's cool. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Justice. Yeah, Western justice. About this time, Sheriff Johnny Behan decided it was time to do something. Because of the violence of the vacant lot shootout and the rumors swirling around it, the people of Tombstone weren't all that fond of the Earp family. Behan formed his own posse and included several cowboys, like John Ringo, to track down Wyatt. At the same time, Curly Bill formed his own hunting party, although there is a pretty strong belief that Johnny Behan also had hired Curly Bill, but couldn't exactly include him in the official posse because he was a wanted cattle thief. I'm just going to say it. I don't like this Johnny Behan. No? Nah, piece of shit. Just does whatever. He thinks the public sentiment is going. He's like, ah, yeah, okay. Everybody hates Whatever's going to keep them in power? Yeah, whatever the Arps, yes. Arps are in trouble, mm-hmm. well, let's hire the Cowboys to kill the Arps. Piece of shit. Just human garbage. Right, he'll be on one side over here, one side over here. It's mm-hmm. just like, huh, maybe this man has a vested interest in this conflict happening to where he can lay down law. I'm glad Danny DeVito cucked him. He just walked in. <laughs> Slimy-ass Danny DeVito. He's like... I don't know what to do. Now it's, you know, I'm going to take this shit out on somebody. And here we go. Here it is. Here's my opportunity. Standing there all fucking naked. Covering <laughs> around his wife. Yeah. Behan slowly closes the door. <laughs> what did you say? Well, two foot. We're going to have a talk about this later. Two foot 18, Dave, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. The first group to find Wyatt was Curly Bill's. On March 24, 1882, the two posses met at a spring outside Tombstone. White had just recently found and killed another cowboy, Florentino Cruz, who he believed had helped to kill Morgan. Curly Bill and his men opened fire. 
Wyatt spotted Curly Bill, aimed his shotgun, and blew a giant fucking hole in Bill's chest. Before Wyatt could fight further, his gun belt fell down around his thighs, (laughs) and he had to run away. (laughs) And I just imagine, like, a couple of the cowboys saw this and just looked at each other with a perplexed face, like... (laughs) Why the hell was that boy wearing a condom in a gunfight? <laughs> it's very he, different. He, he had the he had the preemptive condom on, you know? <laughs> right? Just flopping in the wind, just full of pee, just a condom full of pee, <laughs> gun belt around his thighs, like oh shit, truce, 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 as he waddles back <laughs> across the spring. <laughs> Runs down the river. It's very different from the movie where he's like walking across screaming, No! No! <laughs> and everybody's shooting at him and missing somehow. Mm-hmm. And he fucking blasts Curly Bill with a shotgun. Uh, yeah, he just fucking. He did bless. Shirley, he did blast Curly Bill with a shotgun. Shirley Temple. <laughs> Shirley Temple. On the oh gun. my god. It's a good ship. Lolly. Pop, bitch. He did blast Curly Bill with a shotgun right in the chest, but he, he was he was going to continue the fight. He's like, okay, time to draw my six shooters, keep fighting. But his fucking gun belt was around his thighs, and he had to like, crawl back to safety so he could pull his fucking belt up. <laughs> And change that condom. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's full of pee. Just full of pee. <laughs> uh, and another thing, after watching the movie, in the movie, Erp kills like 30 fucking dudes on this vendetta ride. He's like chasing after the cowboys, kills all of them, hangs them, shoots them, whatever. Uh, it's kind of fucked up if you think about it, because in the movie, he has no justification. These guys aren't actually involved in the killing of his brother or, you know, shooting a Virgil. He's just like, whatever the fuck. But he just kills the shit out of some people. In reality, he killed a total of three people on his vendetta ride. Three. Three people. Newsflash, people. Western movie was not real. Ah! This concludes your newsflash. And I love the movie so much, but at this point I'm like, it's a good fucking movie. I'm so angry at you, Kurt Russell. I'm so angry at you. That's why I was upset with Braveheart. It didn't show the penis. His own penis going into his mouth after they cut it <laughs> oh, off. I forgot, you know? but yeah. Fair enough, yes. So, eventually, Behan's group would catch up to the Earps. Behan's posse greatly outnumbered the Earp posse, but Wyatt had spotted them coming and had taken up position on the top of a hill. Behan had never been much of a fighter, so rather than risk a shootout, he turned and went home. You know, he probably said something like, I don't aim to find out what he intends to do with that condom. (laughs) (laughs) Back in Tombstone, Wyatt Earp was no hero. He was an outlaw. Warrants were issued for the arrest of him and Doc Holliday. But that summer, Tombstone began to fall apart. A huge fire destroyed much of the town. The mines were running out of silver and filling with flood water. Basically... People stopped giving a shit about the Earps and the Cowboys. Like, uh, much bigger issues to deal with. Right? And a little surprising. Some, no one said, hey, what about these guys? We should still arrest them. Like, oh, well, the fucking town's burning down, so... I guess. Whatever. I don't think there's any surprise there. Yeah. 
But either way, Wyatt Earp never returned to the town. Virgil Earp lived out the rest of his days in peace and even served as a city marshal once more before dying of pneumonia in 1905. Ike Clayton would be shot and killed by a posse trying to arrest him for stealing cattle. Doc Holliday's tuberculosis would worsen, and he'd drink a bottle of whiskey a day before dying in 1887 at the age of only 36 years old. And Wyatt Earp only visited him once, and no Earps attended his funeral. Kind of dispel that myth that they were friends through the rest of their lives. Well, I feel like uh, maybe me and, and Doc were kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Couple small differences. Yeah. I do not have tuberculosis. Yet. Probably. But I drink a bottle of whiskey a day at the age of 36. (laughs) And I won't visit you at your funeral. I will not attend. (laughs) 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 Oh, I'm only laughing because you compare yourself to uh, Wyatt Earp. Oh, I'm a hero. And not the Behan character (laughs) that just gets cocked out of his mind (laughs) by uh, Danny DeVito coming out of a couch (laughs) naked. (laughs) That's what I'm laughing at. I'm a hero, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> As for Wyatt, he'd take advantage of the Wild West craze of the early 20th century and would attempt to write his memoirs through three different ghost writers. And each time, the story would get more ridiculous and make him into more of a hero. He'd die in 1929 before his actual memoirs would be published. He had spent his whole life seeking fame and fortune only for it to finally come after he was dead. And that is why we tell ridiculous lies about our lives each and every week on this very podcast. For fame and fortune. End of story. Woo! 65 episodes. They didn't say it could be done. They said, no, there's no way these guys last more than five episodes, but here we are. A year and a half later, going on break, on a strong, strong note, the story mm. of a shootout and vendetta Electrical ride. company. Mm. They said, hey, you need to pay your fucking bill. I said, no. We're in a pandemic. You can't <laughs> cut me off. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Started from the bottom, and we finished there. All right. <laughs> Gregory. And it's time for Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. The mines of Tombstone actually began to flood early on, but people felt like this was a godsend because the previous drinking water in the town had been noted as causing frequent diarrhea. Cha-cha-cha. In one case, it was discovered that a dead body was in the water supply after they had been drinking it for months. Fast fact number two. In 1882, John Ringo was found dead with a single gunshot wound to his temple. His pistol was in his hand, his boots were missing, cloth was wrapped around his feet, and his horse was found two miles away. The coroner ruled it a suicide, but of course, legend persists that he was killed by Doc Holliday or Wyatt Earp. Fast fact number three. Each year, Tombstone celebrates its wild history with a festival known as Hell Dorado Days. 
in 2015, an actor arrived late for his shootout and forgot to switch out his real bullets for blanks. He fired five times, striking his fake opponent in the groin and another bystander with a shrapnel. Fortunately, no one was killed. Fast Fact Number 4 By 1896, Wyatt Earp had become well-known and was asked to referee a championship boxing match in San Francisco. In the eighth round, the fight was clearly being won by one of the fighters, but when he knocked down his opponent, Earp determined it had been done by an illegal low blow and disqualified the man who had been winning. The fans were outraged, and the papers claimed Wyatt had fixed the fight. Wyatt was run out of town, just like every single other town he had ever lived in. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, That is the last full episode we will release until 2021. Yeah. What? If I may, Mm -hmm. we do have additional full episodes that have been taken off of the general uh, plebeian marketplace and Ah, put on the Patreon. That is true. Along with, like, what do we have, like, uh, we're up to like, I don't know. We've got a million. Yeah. We'll just say a million. A million. That's if fair. They, if they want to sue us in court for their $3 Patreon <laughs> membership, then, you know, I'll I'll settle out of court for a $3 beach. Yeah. Maybe a beach. <laughs> oh, beach. I'll give you $3 and the beach. <laughs> but, uh, what a deal. No. So we do, we do have some, uh, some stuff there in the meantime. Yeah. And what you regular plebeian listeners are about to hear for the next month are bonus episodes that our Patreon listeners have already heard. And they're like, oh, this is old news. I already I already know this shit. It's like used panties. They're gonna get separate special mini episodes all throughout this break. So maybe if oh, you're yeah. like Patreon listeners, we're yeah. still taking care of you. We're still going to be doing our every Monday releases for the special hangover episodes. Yeah. I don't want you to feel left out. No, absolutely Just not. Just because they're getting the used panties. You know, what are they? What are they, Japanese getting them out of vending machines? Sickos. <laughs> Ugh, that's weird. You're getting the new panties. Mm-hmm. Never been used. Uh, I'm going to, well, other than we put them on our heads when we record. I put them that's on it. wolf dick. You know, just to kind of get that sweatiness, that invalid sweatiness that everybody... You can't take them off, though. It's not fair. Don't tell people that. <laughs> Taking advantage of his invalidness. All right. I love you. Greg, what else? Happy holidays? Happy holidays. Well, I can't say that because I'm going to fight war on Christmas. I can't tell you which side I'm on. We'll never know. <laughs> You really pick a side if you say happy holidays. <laughs> right, you do. <laughs> but do you pick a side if you just say silver and gold, silver and gold? Goodbye. I mean, that's the age when you're just looking for anything new. Oh, it is. To masturbate with, specifically. Oh, oh yeah. There's nothing safe in a household at that age. 14, 15. Like, oh, 
Yo play yogurt. I wonder what that feels like. Couch. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh. Apple. You're getting cored and put in a microwave. Goodbye. Yeah. Every lotion no. bottle has been heated up in the microwave. Oh, Guaranteed. Yes. Oh, yeah. Ladies, you don't even know. If you have a teenage son, every facial product, every lotion you own has been fucked. Like, if you see an indention in it, it's not from... It, it, it's not from fingers. You know, it's... And if you hide a dildo, mm-hmm. I'll find it. <laughs> and I, I will have put it in my mouth and butt at that point. He's like a bloodhound. He just walks into your house and goes... <laughs> <laughs> he walks to your bedroom and right between the mattresses pulls it out. He's like flopping it in the wind. No, his uncle walks, on it. uncle walks in and hands him a treat and feeds him out of his hand. <laughs> Good Greg. Scratches him behind the ear. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good boy. That's it's a good, good boy. boy. <laughs> and that's the last thanks, time. Uh, thanks, Unky. <laughs> Hit your wife's in the entryway of the house. Like he just does this. I'm sorry. I, you know, it's just one of his things. She's, she's still got the casserole in her hands. <laughs> yeah. The we're going to like a dinner party. Yeah, the turkey smells delicious. <laughs> While I'm upstairs, the dildo's in my mouth. <laughs> she's just standing there. Oh, uh, mm. I love your floors. <laughs> Well, I also uh, b- brought my boyfriend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then I'm not the weird one anymore. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I guess we have to set an extra plate for her boyfriend and this guy's uncle. I didn't expect that to happen tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you get back in the SUV and hear your wife's like, well, we have to move again. <laughs> You're not allowed... <laughs> Uncle leans back from the back seat and he's like, Yeah, it's fine. That dildo was tiny anyway. Greg barely got any excitement out of it. <laughs> Show him, Greg. You pull it out, flopping around. <laughs> oh. No more diversions. Let's continue this story. God damn it. <laughs> A delicious pineapple seltzer. Tastes like that trucker semen from Hawaii. Not that I it's would not, know. No, no. Okay, sorry. Too much. Too much. Okay, sh- just too, just too much. on the nose. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, you gotta like lead into it. Okay, fair enough. You can't just be like trucker semen. You know that. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, you're right. I do. I do. That is truly a delicious pineapple seltzer, and that's oh. all I have to say about that. Mine is a uh, grapefruit. Which tastes like that trucker semen down in Guatemala. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, I just took my ring off. Bad boy. <laughs> oh, shit. Time to reinstall grinder. Sorry. <laughs> what it is about something straight. <laughs> It's always about cuckoldry. I know. There's something wrong with our brains. There's just something wrong with us. Things are fucking funny to me, for sure. (laughs) No woman would have sex around me unless some other dude was plowing her while I got to watch. (laughs) Got to watch, not had to watch. 
got to watch. <laughs> Sit there, boy. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Do I need to make eye, con- eye contact with you or her? Because I'd rather it be with you. <laughs> you're asking, like, oh, what are you doing now? Like, you're at a fucking Home Depot, like, <laughs> seminar thing, seminar, like, 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 class. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna make planters out of these pots and boards. We're gonna make herb garden that can hang off your He's porch. He's just pounding away. <laughs> He's pounding so your what wife. Are, what exactly? Uh, what's going on there? Yeah, or, yeah. Now I've never this... heard that noise. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you say you're gonna make our squirt, what's this? What does that mean exactly? Is that <laughs> is that from the uh, the hiney or the giney? <laughs> Just furiously scribbling notes on a notepad. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's in just the throes of ecstasy. <laughs> the coroner... Oh, I hate this word. Coroner. It's hard. The coroner ruled it... Oh, the you coroner ruled... Shut the fuck! You, you shut up! You, you shut up! <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.